there's something peculiar at one of the cafes down the road. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, the staff are really friendly, the coffee is tasty and the food is nice, but every time I go in, there's something on the wall that catches my eye. There's something that makes me wonder. And if you're a Wellington coffee drinker, chances are you've seen it too. Are you ready? I don't have a prop with me because it probably wouldn't want me to take it, but here it is. It's this big, scary lever on the wall, and it's got a, a red wire and a yellow wire on it, and it's got this big uh, writing that says, warning, do not, under any circumstances, pull this switch. I have always assumed it didn't do anything. I never had the guts to test that theory, though. Um, uh, until today. <laughs> so what, what do you reckon? Make up your mind now. Um, I'm ordering my coffee and I, I say to the lady at the counter, so that switch on the wall. And before I can finish, she goes, oh yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't do anything. Feel free to pull it. And I go, okay, I kind of like sheepishly wander up to the wall and she's like, oh, people, yeah, people don't really trust me. They think I'm going to prank them, but no, yeah, go for it. And so I grab the handle, I pull it down, and yeah, it, does, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> That's it. It's just a, just a lever on a wall. I wonder if you've thought that about prayer. I wonder if there's times you've thought, does prayer do anything? Is there sometimes so much build-up and you, you pray and then nothing happens? Maybe you pray, but nothing ever changes. Or, or lately you've been praying and you feel like you've just been going through the motions. The question we're answering or talking about today is, does prayer change anything? That's my one goal, to answer that today. More on that in a few moments. Hey, if you've just joined us, we are in our Empowered series. We're tracking through the book of Acts. And um, if you just come in, you've kind of like, kind of missed a few bits. You might want to go back and check out our YouTube channel or uh, the website. Um, but we're in part eight today and we're looking at Acts chapter four and we're in verses 23 to 31. So if you've got your Bible, uh, open it up or turn it on or you can follow along with me. It says this, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. Jesus. 
After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Let's pray. Lord God, we uh, lift up our voices to you now and we pray that you would um, teach us today as we search your word. Would you show us um, something new about you an insight about ourselves and how we interact with the world around us. I pray you'd show us um, by your Holy Spirit our um, next action of obedience to you. Lord, I pray that we'd leave our time changed and that we would live differently tomorrow as a result. We give you this time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so... There are many things we could discuss out of this passage. We could look at um, the disciples turning to prayer almost immediately after they get back. They've just been let out of prison. They've been threatened by the religious leaders. And they say, Peter and John go back to their friends and say what happened. And then they turn immediately to prayer. Or we could talk about how the the disciples know Scripture so well. And actually know that in Psalm 2, there are some really um, close parallels to what David said and their reality here and now. Or that the believers don't ask God to remove the opposition. They don't ask God for protection. They ask God for what they need to stand up amongst the opposition and to fulfill the mission that they've been given. And many other things. It's been such a joy to study. But as I have prayed and sought the Lord for what we might pull out in our time, there are um, three things that I um, have had laid on my heart. And I normally teach children. Uh, I'm one of the children's pastors here. And the only way I know how to teach is simply and practically. So that's what we're going to do today. So we've got three um, specific practices. Um, Here's the first one. Number one. Pray specific prayers. Specific prayers get specific answers. The believers prayed for boldness in verse 28, and then just a couple of verses later, they receive it. How faith-filling that must have been, that they prayed and the God of heaven and earth not only heard, not only cared, but was moved to action. These are ordinary, uneducated people, and they spoke with God. Our God doesn't leave us high and dry. He gives us what we need to fulfill what he's called us to. And it's a double whammy of we see not only this provision of boldness, but how filled with confidence they must have been at knowing that their God is alive and active in their every day. God heard them. I bet that was exciting. And yet I wonder if we do ourselves a disservice sometimes in the way we pray. Maybe not you, but I know for me, I'm guilty of praying kind of vague, somewhat wishy-washy prayers. Prayers like, God, bless them. Or, God, be with them. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with those prayers. I think God is moved in some way by that. And I think we can earnestly pray for those things. But 
when I pray those, I don't really know if anything happened as a result. I don't know if God did anything or anything was different. It's hard to get excited if we're unsure if anything happened. You know, last week some of us were at a a church conference and it was such a great time together with different churches um, around New Zealand. And the facilitator uh, on the first night encouraged everyone there to take up the challenge, not to just stay um, comfortable and just talk to the people you know. He said, no, go out and meet people, connect, encourage one another. And so I thought, right, okay, I can do this. And knowing that I was preparing for this message, I prayed, Lord, would you help me connect and learn the names of three people? Specific. And so the next day, um, well, that day, I managed to meet three people. I met Jono and Laurel and Shireen, and it was such a great time, and I got to pray with her and encourage her, and uh, I was so um, blessed by that. And normally, I wouldn't pray about those things, and I would go, cool, well done, me, good job. But because I prayed, God got the glory. We recently taught the kids of our church that God is spirit. We explored this idea of whether or not uh, things are real if we can't see them with our eyes. And so we know that um, books and pears and custard squares, these are all real. We can see them with our eyes, but we can't see God with our eyes. Is God real? And these are big questions for a five-year-old to grapple with, but that's what we're doing at the moment. And um, we looked at, okay, we know that there are things that are real that we can't see. Things like truth, kindness, or love. We can't see those things, but we can see the effects of them. And it's the same with God. We can't see God with our eyes, but we can see the effects of God in our lives. And praying specific prayers turns an invisible God and makes him visible in our lives. There's a phrase I've been thinking about to help me try and remember this, and it's pray so you know if you got a yes or a no. Pray so you know if you got a yes or a no. I believe God answers prayers, sometimes with a yes, sometimes with a no, sometimes with a wait not yet. A few weeks ago, Jamie spoke, and he mentioned an app that he uses to help him pray. It's called Echo. I use it as well, and it's available on Apple and Android, and it's totally free. And it's a brilliant tool that I've started to use when it comes to praying. It helps you keep track of prayer requests. And I used to say, yeah, I'll I'll pray for that. I'll pray for you. And I had the best of intentions, but I would forget. And so now when I say I'll pray for someone or something, I write them down. It's not super revolutionary, but it's working for me. And then when you come to pray, you just set a timer and it'll run through a selection of those prayers. It's great because when a prayer gets answered, that gets saved on a list. And if I'm feeling discouraged or experiencing doubt, I can go back and look and I can remind my soul of how God has worked in the past because I'm prone to forget and it helps me remember his faithfulness for the future. 
keeping track helps you look back. A habit I've been trying to develop recently is checking in on people who have asked for prayer. And it only takes a moment to send someone a message and say, hey man, like, I've been praying for you this morning. Uh, how's that situation you asked about? And can I tell you, it's, it only takes a moment to do that, but man, it can make a powerful difference. I've had the privilege of being on both sides of this. A few months ago, a lady, an older lady in our church came up to me after a service and said, Floyd, I've been praying for you. How's that situation going? And I totally forgotten that I mentioned it to her. I don't, yeah, don't know her super well, and, but I said, oh, I've seen glimmers of breakthrough. But keep praying. And I was blown away. That meant so much to me to know that I wasn't the only one praying to God about this thing. And she's blessed because she gets to hear about what her prayers are doing in the lives of others. So that's me on the receiving end. Uh, just this week, actually, uh, on Monday, I messaged a guy in, in my life group who on four separate occasions has asked for prayer about his sleep, struggling to get good rest and uh, I said I'd pray, and I, I had been praying, and so I messaged him and said, hey, man, how's that going? Here's what he said. Good morning, smiley emoji. I've been sleeping pretty well, actually. Um, thanks so much for your prayers. I really appreciate it. And I don't share that to say, oh, look how awesome I am. I'm praying so much. Uh, look how awesome God is. Look at what prayers are doing in, through, in the lives of others. That is a privilege. When you pray for someone, you become a part of the story that God is telling in their life. Before we move on to point two, <laughs> this is still point one, uh, I want to quickly touch on another tool that's helped me in my prayer life. And um, I'm a guy who likes structure and aura, and if you do as well, you're going to love this. And it feels really fitting, considering the series that we're in, and I kind of hope no one said it already, but I haven't heard all the messages, um, so here we go. It's called the ACTS Prayer Model. It's a tool we can use to shape our prayers, and it has four parts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration means we adore God for his character and who he is. Confession means we ask the Holy Spirit to search us and know us and reveal those times and parts of our lives where we've missed the mark and we repent and we say sorry for those things. Thanksgiving is where we play what my friend likes to call the gratitude game, where we call to mind those things, the blessings, everything that we have in our lives and we say thank you to God. Supplication that's just a fancy word for ask, um, but ACTA is not as good of an acronym as ACTS, so it's supplication. It's where we lift our requests, our cares and our concerns to God. Specificity can help not only our requests, but our entire prayer life. I wonder if anyone's given you a compliment. Um, maybe, I so I play netball, 
And sometimes people after the game would say, hey, you played a really great game. And I'd say, oh, thanks. Great. <laughs> but the times people would say, oh, I loved you. You were so encouraging. Or, hey, that was a really cool um, two-pointer. No one's ever said that to me because I haven't actually got a two-pointer, but um, I'm trying to imagine. Man, those kind of compliments, they're so much richer. I wonder if we try and incorporate this. Instead of, God, I adore you, it's, God, I, I praise you that you were good, you were holy, you were loving, you were kind, you were just, you never change. Specific adoration deepens our worship. I wonder instead of, God, I'm, I'm sorry that I've sinned, we took, this, we took an approach where we, we do call to mind those specific times that we have sinned and fallen short and we, we ask for forgiveness and we say sorry for those things. Specific confession deepens our contrition. Or instead of just saying, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me, that's great. But I tried recently, I started at the start of the day, I said, thank you for a warm bed. I thank you for beans in the coffee machine. Thank you for breakfast in the pantry. Thank you for a car to drive to work. And man, specific Thanksgiving deepens our gratitude. And I don't want this to feel burdensome. I don't want you to feel like, oh man, now every time I pray I have to be really super specific. In Romans it says that sometimes we don't know what to pray for. And actually the Holy Spirit prays for us. Um, in ways that can't be expressed in words. But can I invite us into this practice um, as we're able to help cultivate a greater level of intimacy with our Heavenly Father through specific prayers? Okay, quick poll, and I'll, I'll, you can't see them, but the people in the room, hands up if you pray for car parks. Well, yeah, I'm seeing some hands, and I'm seeing some shaking of the head. Maybe people looking around for the right answer. <laughs> Great. Well, our second point is pray small prayers. Now, I put small in sky commas because size is relative, right? Um, a 10K run for me, that's pretty decent, but I know people that run like over 100Ks and they think 10K is pretty minor. But for our context, for our time, the things we're talking about in terms of small are those things that are maybe we think are too unimportant. Um, things that seem trivial or that we can do in our own strength. We think about the car park. You know you're going to find one eventually. Somewhere between your house and where you're going, there's going to be a space for you to put your car. So why go to the effort of praying about it? Surely God is too busy or too important to be bothered by that, right? If it matters to you, it matters to God. God cares about the little things. The Bible says that God knows the number of hairs on your head. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And in 1 Peter it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. None of these suggest a minimum level of importance before we can bring something before God. There is enough of God to go around to bring even the little things to him. And the disciples, we see that in our passage. The disciples pray for boldness. And if we think of boldness, it's just confidence. 
it's, it's something you could kind of try and do on your own. You, they're trying to share the word of God and they could go, okay, right, I know that there's people against me, but I'm just not going to fear them. I'm not going to worry about that. But they don't. Instead of trying to muster it up themselves, they invite God into the situation and God delivers. I felt really challenged about this point in sort of the, the last year about praying these small prayers. And the problem with only praying about these big issues, which sometimes can take weeks, months, years, or decades before we see any kind of movement or resolution, is that we miss out on giving God the glory and all the situations in between. God wants to, God is active in our lives every single day. If only we will invite him in and we have our eyes open to see that. I wonder if that's why God invites us to pray continually. Which, by the way, if you're starting a practice of scripture memory, this is a really fantastic way to start. It's two words, pray continually. It's really hard to pray continually if you're not going to bring the little things to God. You know, we can pray in our life groups, in our prayer meetings, in our quiet times, but we can also pray in all the in-between times as well. We can pray with our eyes open. We can pray mid-conversation. We can pray before a meeting, after meeting, at all times. God hears it all, and he wants to be involved in it all. So let's come back to car parks. It feels so unspiritual, but there have been so many times when I've been circling the streets looking for a park, and then I remember, ah, yeah, I can pray about that. And I don't know how many times, as soon as the last word of my prayer has finished, a space opens up like a perfect one right outside where I've been going. That's faith filling. That's when I know the God of heaven heard me and cares about me. Praying small is an invitation to greater intimacy with our heavenly father, a person. So we come to our final point, and it's pray big prayers. If we were really convinced that prayer changes things and that God moves in remarkable ways in response to our prayers, then we would pray much more than we do. If we only pray a little or never, perhaps that reveals we think prayer doesn't accomplish much at all. Can I invite you to pray with specificity through the small things in your lives so that we can fill our faith tanks to have what we need to pray persistently and consistently for those big situations in our lives? The believers ask God in our passage for attesting miracles. They want signs and wonders. They want people to be healed. If they can muster up boldness on their own, they cannot do that on their own. The disciples pray big prayers with expectation that God is going to move. We see examples in the Bible to pray big prayers. We see prayers for, we're to pray for all people, pray for those in authority. Psalm 67 is a prayer for nations. If you missed Jeremy's message the other day about miracles, you have to go back and check it out. We see that we are to pray um, for miracles. They don't always happen, but we should expect them. I wonder how many times I prayed a vague, or small prayer because I didn't want to be disappointed. It's like those situations where we're too afraid to fail that we don't even try. 
back at this conference uh, last week, I went to sit down and I twinged my back and I'm in agony. And you'd think after 29 years, I'd kind of mastered sitting, but it turns out not the case. So I'm telling Emma and Jerem this over morning tea. And normally that conversation would go, I'm just going to complain about it and then that'll be it. But I'm thinking about prayer, I'm thinking about miracles. And so I invite Jerem and Emma to, to pray for me. I said, hey guys, this is what happened, would you, would you pray? And so they lay their hands on. They pray once, they pray twice. And I felt my back loosen. I felt the pain lessen. It wasn't a complete healing, but there was something different from before they prayed until after they prayed. Praise God. (laughs) We started our time thinking about this lever that we're not sure if it actually does anything. It turns out that that switch in that cafe doesn't do anything. But I believe prayer works. Quickly, Exodus 32, in the Old Testament, we see the Israelites have been led out of Egypt God is part of the Red Sea and saved them from slavery. But then they turn away from God and they start worshipping this golden calf. And God is furious. And so we get to see this conversation that God and Moses have. God's saying, I'm just going to wipe them out and I'm going to start again. But the text says that Moses sought God's favour. He's praying to God, but prayer is just personal communication with God. And this is what it says. Moses says, turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. And so verse 14 says, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. I know people think differently about these verses, and this is slightly controversial, but I read that God is going to bring disaster. Moses prays and then God relents. That looks like prayer working to me. We see in the book of James in the New Testament that it says you do not have because you do not ask. Does prayer do anything? Dallas Willard is a man much smarter than me and he puts it like this. And God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. Here's how I put that. Prayer changes things. I've seen it in the Bible and I've seen it in my own life. As we come to close, I wonder what opportunities I've missed because my faith was too small or my mind too distracted. I wonder what a community we'd be if we sought to pray continually through the big and through the small with specific prayers, bringing them to God. I wonder what stories we'd have to share to encourage other uh, Christians. I wonder what a demonstration of God's power and love that would be to people who don't yet know God. What a community we would be if immediately hearing a need of someone, we committed to pray not only then, but through the week and in the coming times till we see God do something. 
If we were a community looking to pray for Christians and non-Christians, if we prayed like we believe prayer did something, and we pray that we believe, uh, we, and we act like we believe that God is alive and cares about us and works in our lives, if only we choose to invite him in. Well, gosh, that's our community I'd love to be a part of. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that you're at work. I thank you for the gift of prayer. I thank you that prayer changes things. I pray you'd help us to grow in this practice of prayer. I pray for deeper levels of intimacy with you. And I pray we'd see mountains move through the prayers of your people. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.